Good morning, One Church. Um, happy Sunday. I'm excited to be with you all today. Um, so last week, Matt kicked off our new series on the stuff of prayer, and he, he talked about why, the why of prayer. Why do we pray um, as a church, as individuals? And, and he also invited us into uh, this new season of prayer and exploring prayer. And I'm excited. And so this week, I get the opportunity to talk about the who of prayer. And that sounds like really broad, but what we're going to focus the most on is a God who prays for us. Like, we pray to a God who also prays for us and, and the beauty that is in that. So we're going to look at John 17 together today. But before we get into the sermon, uh, will you join me in prayer? God, we just thank you so much for the fact that you pray for us, for the fact that you intercede for us, Holy Spirit. I pray that you are here and that you are wherever we are. God, if there is one thing that this season has shown, it is that you are not confined to a church building, but you reside in all of us. So Father, I just pray that you would be present in our homes, that you'd be present in the backyards, that you'd be present in our community, that you'd be present in our cars, wherever we're watching or listening to this sermon, God, that you would show through. God, I give you my words and I give you everything that I've studied and on all that you've revealed. And I just pray that you would be in control, that you would be the voice that is heard. Um, God, let me be your vessel. We thank you for today. Thank you for inviting us into this place. And you're going to pray. Amen. So you might notice that we're not uh, in our normal space. We're not, we don't have the beautiful mural behind us. We actually have my fireplace and messy bookshelves that I wasn't allowed to change and all this stuff. So we're, we're in my home and I am really excited to be in my home um, because there's something very intimate about that. And, and, the, and the passage we're focusing on today is John 17. And John 17 is at the end of the Last Supper. It is, it is at the end of um, the disciples' time together. They're, it's, it's the end of Jesus' time with them here on earth before he goes and he dies on the cross. And John 17 is this beautiful moment between his, Jesus and his disciples. And, and, it, it, and we're invited into that moment too because not only is it reserved for Jesus and his disciples, but then at one point Jesus opens it up and he invites us into it. And Jesus is praying for us. And he's praying for his disciples. And so part of the reason that I'm sitting on the floor around my coffee table in my front room is because this is where the disciples were, right? With Jesus, as they, as they learned this, as, as Jesus prayed for them, they were sitting together on the floor after they've enjoyed a meal. And so today I want us to picture ourselves in that spot. I want us to take ourselves to sitting on the floor together, preaching together, learning and having this conversation. Let this be less of a sermon and more of a conversation of a Jesus, a God, who prays for us. So John 17, um, like I said, it's at the end of the Last Supper. It's kind of the conclusion. 
And it's, it starts with Jesus. He's speaking to God on his own behalf. He's addressing God. He's, he's looking up to heaven and he's saying, God, like I've come, I'm at the end of my mission here. Like what I've been sent here for, I am at the end of. And, and, and you've, you've given me glory and everything that you've given me. And now I want to give that to his, to the people that have followed me. And so after verse five, we, re- we move on to verses six through 19. And in those verses, Jesus prays for his disciples. He prays specifically for the 11 disciples that have followed him. He even mentions that he's praying for his disciples minus Judas. And like the, that is just this beautiful time of, it wouldn't have been weird for the disciples. It wouldn't have been weird for them to be prayed over by Jesus. It would have been this communal moment of, of Jesus basically passing the torch to them, saying, God, protect them from the world, protect them from the evil, bring them the joy that I've had, like give them your protection the way that you have given it to me. And that's Jesus' prayer for them. And then in verse 20, there's a shift that happens. And Jesus doesn't just pray for the disciples, but he opens up the rest of the prayer to pray for the believers that are to come for us. Not just the believers of the time of the disciples, but like for us, this prayer is ours. And so today we're going to focus on uh, John 17, 20 through 24. It says, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be the one even as we are one, I in them and you and me, that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. There's a lot in my opinion, I had to read it like six times, like because there's a lot of like ins and outs. What is Jesus saying? But the foundation of it all is Jesus is praying for unity. Jesus is praying that the believers would be unified the way that Jesus and God are unified, that there would be perfection in that unity. He already knows that there's going to be discourse. He already knows that there's going to be disagreements. He knows that people aren't always going to see eye to eye. But what he's praying for is that we would go beyond ourselves and our humanity and we would be able to be unified through the grace of God, that we'd be able to be unified together. One of the the things in this verse is it talks in verse 21 about the world. Um, it says like that they also may be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. And when John talks of the world, he's not talking about the created world. He's actually talking about a world that is opposed to God. He's talking about humans who are against God. It's, it's, it's the rejection that God and Jesus have experienced. And so he is, Jesus is praying that the unity that we have 
as a body of Christ would be seen so that the world that has rejected would know who Jesus was and know who Jesus is. And this is his prayer for us. This is his prayer for us today. And so when we think about a God who prays for us, it's humbling. Jesus interceded on our behalf. And it's oftentimes when we hear the word God, we think God the Father. And we, we automatically assume that. But Jesus is God. The Holy Spirit is God. They're the Trinity. And, yeah. No. Oh. <laughs> Can we just keep all this? This is just natural. Uh, it's weird having people call back. I'm not used to it. Um, <laughs> out of practice. Uh, but Jesus is, is God, and he's a part of the Trinity. And last week, Matt talked about Romans and, and that verse where in 8, verse 26 and 27, he talks about how the Holy Spirit intercedes for us. And for some reason, we're, we're comfortable with that, but I'm not going to lie. When I first heard my prompt of like a God who prays and then I read John 17, I was like, well, why wouldn't it say a G Jesus who prays? And then I realized, but Jesus is God. And he is interceding for us. The same as the Holy Spirit, the same as God the Father. Jesus as God the Son is interceding for us. He is praying for unity. He is foreseeing the discourse that's going to happen in the church and praying that the unity that we would have as the body of Christ would be more important than our disagreements. I can't think of a more prevalent passage for where we are today as the church. And I'm not just talking about one church. I'm talking about the whole body of Christ. We are on right and we're on the left. We are on this side of justice, on this side of justice. And we're throwing things in our face and we're using scripture to support both pers perspectives. And we're, we're at e it's almost like we're at each other's throats. And we're letting our own disagreements get in the way of the witness that we are called to be, the unity that Jesus prayed for for us so that the world would know him. Those, those things, they matter. Those disagreements, it's not that they're not important. It's that we're letting Satan divide us. And, and it's like Jesus is, is praying for us to be one in him, for us to be one in the Father. He's advocating for us. He's sitting on the front lines and he's saying, God, I know this is coming. Like, protect them, love them. May they know the unity, the way, the union that we have known. And he even goes so far as to, in verse 23, he says, may they become perfectly one. And in the RSV, it says complete. May they be complete, completely one. 
And so it seems kind of weird. Obviously, none of us are perfect. I don't know about you, but I'm definitely not perfect. And so this idea of perfect unity in a world of sin and amongst people who are completely sinful and we let our own sin get in the way and it divides us and it, and it, 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 it like allows that unity to not really truly happen. But God, Jesus is praying for spiritual unity that we would be able to see that we are unified as the body of Christ. That though we might theologically disagree and though we might um, scripturally disagree and we might disagree on what side of the fence you stand on, we are spiritually united. If you have accepted Jesus into your heart, you are my brother, you are my sister in Christ. That unity, that's the perfect union that we're supposed to have. And so I asked the question today as I was praying over today and praying for what God had for us, and I asked, like, what does that mean, God? What does it mean for us to be perfectly united what you prayed Jesus prayed for us to be united together what does that even mean what does that even look like and the first thing that I thought was the first thing like I heard clearly was listen check your opinions at the door and listen so it might mean listening to someone who has a different thought than you or it might mean listening to someone that you completely disagree with. But that unity, that, that oneness that God calls and asks and prays for us in this passage is achieved by just listening. Because you might be able to say at the end of the conversation, okay, we don't agree on everything but I see you and I see Jesus in you and I see you as my brother or my sister in Christ. I know that this season of COVID, of people fighting for injustice, injustices of there being more people raising awareness for the sex trafficking that is happening in our culture, just so many things have been brought to light in 2020 and it is an, it, there is an unearthing that is happening and it's not just happening in our culture, but it's happening in our churches. It's happening in the body of Christ today. And this prayer <laughs> to be unified, to be one, the way that God and Jesus were, are one, that should be what we're focused on because this world desperately needs the love of God. This world desperately needs to know that there is, a G, there is a God who prays for them, who fights for them, who advocates for them. And the way they're going to know that is through us, through us being unified, for through us being one. If we're not one, then our witness is, is hindered. It's not us versus them. It's not me versus you. It wasn't God versus Jesus. Jesus and God were one. Jesus prayed that we would be one the way that he and God were one. 
And that relationship right there is the closest you could get. The most loving and close relationship. So what does it mean to have a God who prays for us? It means that there is a, that there is a God who fights for us. There is a God who sees every single person worth the fight. There is a God who sees beyond our own humanity. There is a God who saw the disciples were worth it and that we're worth it. This prayer, Jesus had every opportunity to keep it to the disciples, but he didn't. He opened it up. He invited us in. He prayed for us. I don't know about you, but knowing that there is a God who prays for me, who intercedes for me, brings tears to my eyes, and I don't know a more loving and more act, like bigger act of love next to dying on the cross. <laughs> I want the church as a whole to be perfectly one, to be completely one, the way that Jesus and God are one. Will you pray with me? Father, I thank you that we don't just pray to you, but you pray for us. Jesus, I thank you for the fact that though these words were prayed thousands of years ago, sitting around a table with your disciples in this intimate moment that they were recorded here in John so that we could, we could translate it to be for us too. Holy Spirit, we just thank you for today. I pray that we would be unified as you are unified. God, teach us what it means to have true unity. The unity, the relationship that Jesus and you had, teach us and transform us so that we can be a witness to those around us so that when we come in contact with someone who is a believer who, who loves you but might think differently, that we see ourselves as brothers and sisters in Christ and we don't see ourselves as enemies or on different sides so that the world may know you. We love you, Father. In your name I pray. Amen.